0: Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Bo Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas. Bo. This Aliyah is only a nine psyche honoring from Perek Yud Pasuk Ravdala to Perek Yud Aleph Pasuk Gimel. The topic of our Aliyah is the last negotiation. We'll also take a moment to look at the pattern of the plagues. So now Pharaoh calls. Moshe in and he says to him, go and serve Hashem, but you just need to leave your livestock. But You can take your children this time. So the negotiation sort of shifts as Moshe has displayed more power. Then Paro is willing to give a little bit more. So Moshe says, well, you know, we actually, we're going to be serving Hashem and we're going to be giving sacrifices. So we're going to actually need your livestock. Not only will we take ours, but we're going to be taking yours as well because when we get there, we don't know specifically what Hashem wants from us to serve. So we need to take everything. So Paro, uh, at this time, his heart is hardened by Hashem. And he says to him, leave me alone. Don't see my face. Don't be careful. On the day you see my face, you will die. Moshe responds by saying, Cain, I will not see your face anymore. Then we hear about the beginning of the next parak, which is the end of Araliah, where Hashem tells Moshe that there's going to be one more plague that he's going to bring against Pharaoh. And after this, the nation of of Egypt and Pharaoh will send out a They're going to chase you out of Egypt, at which point you're going to ask everybody to borrow from their neighbors to get all the cold, gold, and silver from the Egyptians. Um, as well. And we're going to hear that Moshe Rabbeinu is very favored in the eyes of the of, of uh, all of the Abdei Pharaoh and the eyes of the people. So it's a little complex. I just wanted two questions. Number one is, is why is Pharaoh intent upon keeping the livestock? Why is he just hanging on to all this negotiation? So the name of points out that uh, when he saw three days of paralyzing darkness, but yet the nation of, of Israel did not flee. He believed that, in fact, that maybe they were they were weak, they weren't as they were showing, and therefore perhaps they would not they would, they would really be believed to come back after three days like they were requesting. But he said, but the problem is that if they go for this whole festival and they're going to bring all these sacrifices, you never know what's going to happen. They start I' get ideas of nationalism and freedom and liberty and all this kind of nonsense in their heads. So he says, I, I will keep the animals so it's not going to be such a fantastic feast and you now have a collateral to come back for as well. So his his level of guarantee. Now the curious pasuk in our aliyah is when when uh, Pharaoh says if you see my face again you'll die and Moshe Rabbeinu agrees to those terms but then right after that right after that we hear about the um, about uh, um, Moshe Rabbeinu being told to talk about this next plague so the before Shem debate this Rashi points out this is not in chronological sequence R' paints it out very clearly and perhaps we aren't used to thinking about it this way but it is worthwhile noting that the order in which things happen was that the month of Nisan was designated as the the first of month, so that happened first. Then the Korban Pesach Pesach and instructions are given for the 15th of the month, the 10th to the 14th to 15th of month. Then the plague of darkness ensues, and wanes towards the 13th of Nisan, at which point in time this negotiation here in our Aliyah happens. And then at that point in time, when Aparas sends him out and says, I won't see your face, that's that, that, that's when um, Moshe Rabbein has already told him about this this Makkah Spokhoras, this whole episode of the firstborns as well. So really you really need to see it in that way. So there's a lot of things going on all at once, and the timeline is a little less linear than would appear to be in the Pesokim. Being as this is a short earlier, perhaps it's an opportunity to look at and reflect on the patterns in the Marcos themselves. How many plagues there were. So there, there are different ways of looking at them. We already looked at one breakdown of the Marcos, and that's the seven-three breakdown between Vaera and Boy, And the idea of the ideas that we explored in the first earlier as to why that break break up breakdown of the plagues is. There are other there are other things to consider when looking at the patterns of the plagues. So. First thing is the Gvorah Hashem, that's the Maharal's Sefer on um, Yetzias Mitzrayim, um, on the Haggadah as well. He describes in the 57th chapter that if you notice, the plagues are always moving upwards. They're not just a um, a actual, we'll call it quantity, they're not a, just a scalar, they're a vector, they're moving upwards. So they start in the waters, and they move out of the waters onto the earth, and then they move up to the livestock and the humans, and then they move up to the air, and above the clouds. So that's the movement of the plague. So there's a plague and it's an experience of showing total control of every vestige um, of power in this world from the lowest to the highest. That's what's being described over here as well. The Maharal then goes on to say uh, perhaps another pattern over here, and that is that the Mishnah in Perkei tells us that the world is created in 10 utterances, but then the, the Mishnah also describes that there were 10 times, the 10 plagues that, that were Ensuing in Egypt, says the Maharal. There, that's not just because the number 10 is, uh, is, uh, it happens to be a, a, an important base in the log, logarithmic scale. The reason why is because these are actually reflecting each other. So, that means to say that in when Hashem created the world, before he created the world, there was essentially only the infinite Ribbonishallah, there's only the Almighty. Every time he created the world and another step was taken, he was essentially veiling and shielding his expression in this world. So every mama every utterance of creation was another veil oh, oh, um, hiding His presence, which meant that at a certain point when humanity was just so ignorant, willfully ignorant, of seeing the presence of God, Hashem had to remove those veils once in history and He removed them one by one, which meant that if, as an example, Maral goes to great great depth to describe, you know, so when you have let there be darkness, that's obviously um, the, the reflection of Yihi Or, of the initial, the second Ma'amara of light. When it talks about, you know, Arbe, that it's the, the locusts which eat all the vegetation, that undoes the creation of Tachya or its Deshe, the creation of vegetation. The Maharal points out that it doesn't work in the same sequence as the Ma'amara Beracious, as the utterances of creation, for the simple reason that in creation, Um, The creation unfolds sequentially, and over here the Makos are unfolding in the direction of going upwards, which is why it shifts the direction. That means to say that when we got to Makos Bokhoros, which um, we just fascinating how this all works, essentially every layer of creation has essentially been removed, so there's no way of hiding from the reality and the presence of Hashem in this world, which is another... That's pattern number two. Pattern number three is the moral threshold. Rashi says, if you look at the plagues, they're really divided into five and five. Why is that? Because it's true that Paro is stubborn and Paro won't listen and Paro ignores all the entreaties and all the the power it displayed in the Marcos. But that's only true up till the the end of the fifth plague. There onwards, once we move from six to ten, you'll notice that it's Hashem who's hardening his heart because at that point in time, he doesn't have the fortitude to be able to stand up even though perhaps he wants to be corrupt, he wants to deny Hashem's presence, but he's been beaten down so severely that he needs Hashem to be mechazek him to strengthen his heart, which at a certain point a person's free will is taken away, as Rashi explains, and that happens between plague 5 and 6. So it's 5 and 5 is another pattern to look at as well. Most famously, we should know the pattern which is, appears in the Haggadah, which is the fourth pattern, which is called Detzach Adash Ba'achav, which in fact is an acronym. For the plagues as well that um, that uh, that occur. What is interesting about them is is that not only is, so that's an acronym. Dabtsa dera yamikinim mm-hmm. is tetzach. Arov um, deveshchin is adash, and barad arbe choshech bakas bchoras or bchoras is the the last one is the is the last four. What is interesting about this is it's not simply just games there's lots of interesting things to be found in these patterns which are very meaningful so as an example you'll notice that the third of each of the sets does not have a warning so yes there's a warning given to Pharaoh before the plague of blood and frogs but there is no warning in in lice and the same thing happens in the second set of three and the same ha- thing happens in the last set of three four that there is there is no warning for the last of the plagues as well um, and there are lots of other parallels as well. When the when the st- the staff of uh, of iron is used, when the hand is used, how the plagues are con- are conducted, they all fit into very neat groups in terms of seeing uh, seeing the pattern over here as well. So what's the relevance of this? So Rav Hirsch has a very beautiful suggestion of here he has an essay on the parish. It's quoted in his Agada as well. This section from the parsha where he describes that there were three things that Egypt were doing to the Hebrews. Number one was a Gayrus, They were treating them as foreigners, Avdus, they were subjugating them, and Inui, they were afflicting them. These are all reflected back in the, the prophecy of the Brisbane of in the covenant between the parts. Your, your, your children will be foreigners, they'll be subjugated, and they will be afflicted. So Egypt is performing all three of these. So argues Rav Hirsch that each of these three, these sets of three, Tetzach, Adash, and in fact, are microcosms of the reflection of the punishment upon Egypt. So the first of each of the three, the second of each of the three, and the third of each of the three reflect a punishment befitting each of these three d- um, degrees of pain inflicted upon the nation of Israel. So, for instance, blood wild animals in Borod are a expression of gairos, where the Egyptians become foreigners upon their own land. They relied upon the Nile as, it so- as their source of life and economy. It no- it's no longer there is anymore it creates decay and death they they thought that they had their cities which were their their place and they could have a domain outside of the wild but the wild now comes into the city that's Arav and Barad is where they had climate they relied on climate after those three plagues the first of the the first in each of those three sets they say to themselves is this the land we really know are we really the masters over this that's number one then the second is Avdus so servitude servitude is based on a um on a misnomer, on an idea of superiority that I control you, I am more powerful, I'm superior to you, And so therefore, things like Tzfadea and Arabia, where small creatures, which you think you have dominion on, can be excessively dangerous and don't know the boundaries anymore of where they belong. So that means to say that you now are no longer so sophisticated and so powerful as you thought you were. Dever, the the, the pestilence is killing their livestock, which ultimately was their prized assets, their economy, which made them the, the, the most powerful nation in North Africa and the known world as well all that's been taken away so your idea of superiority is being questioned and therefore how can you be masters if you don't have any superiority in the first place and finally it's worth noting that kinim, um, shchinn, and choshech the lice, the boils and the darkness are all plagues of immense physical suffering right? when people are afflicted by lice and when there's boils upon their skin a skin disease and the incarceration in darkness are all expressions of terrible suffering so each of the, th- the thirds in each of the group reflect that as well, very very painful description, and this is reflected about the idea of um, the the idea which which is they actually did to the nation. of Israel. it's worthwhile just noting as a fascinating aside that Ditzach Adash ba'Achav actually is also came into a debate between Christian and Jewish. Um, um, polemics that Christians for many centuries had blood libels in which they preposterous <laughs> claims were that Jews were taking the blood of Christian children to put into the the wafers of the matzo. Jews are not allowed to drink blood forget killing people. It's it's the whole thing is ridiculous. And so, one of the priests actually claimed that Detsach Al Hashem was the acronym for Rechim We all need blood al because we killed Ben Kel Ben al the God of our um, our power and God in heaven. So they claimed that Tzach dash Barachav was in fact an acronym about needing blood. And so the, the one of the Rabbanim who was representing the Jewish community um, said that actually, in fact, it, it's another acronym which is Dovrim Tzorah, of, our enemies speak falsehood which are false falsehoods um, of blood it's the children of Abraham God forbid doing such a thing it's just interesting to a historical twist on this but that's an, 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 another aspect of the Datsach Adash of Acha with this we close the third Aliyah and an overview of the Makos. have a me- wonderful and meaningful day